to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. This dark world doesn't want that bright light shining for the most part. They're like, what are you doing? Get, and they, they don't want us in their life many times. And what happens, I believe, with, with believers, what they, what they do is they, like, they, they let their light dim, and they're like, well, I better like, dim it down. And all of a sudden, they're dim, and then they're even more dimmer. And then all of a sudden, well, a little white lie is not too bad. I, they, everybody's lying. I might as well lie. We'll just call it a white lie so it doesn't look so bad. And then we become part of the world, and we're, we're no different. We don't shine, and we, our light's not bright anymore. Can I encourage you this morning? Keep shining for Christ. Let your light so shine that they'll see your good works. They'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven. An unbeliever, we're in our text, it says that the best way for him to come to know Christ is without even a word, but with your actions. Not even a word. There's many times. I'm out in the world, and I, I can typically spot a born-again believer in a, in a second. I test it all the time. I talk about this. I, I go up to them and say, how long have you known the Lord? They're like, well, what? It's like, it's, it's obvious. They, they, just, they just shine. They're like light bulbs. It's like, it's easy. If you really, if you're in the spirit and you're, you're looking spiritually at a person, you could see they shine. They're different. They, they shine in, it, brightly in a dark world. But know this, the world, this dark world, they're noticing a difference. And they might get upset at you. They might get mad at you. They might argue with you. But know this, you're affecting their life. What does Greg Glory say when you throw a, a brick into a pack of dogs? You know, the one that yelps the loudest is the one that got hit, right? I was the one in the world that was hit. You know, my sister and others would talk to me about Jesus. I was like, rah, 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 rah. I don't want to hear it. You know, don't you judge me. Don't you tell me what to do. I don't want to hear all this stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Guess what? When I came, to, when I was being drawn, I went right to the very ones that I was yelling at because I needed light. I needed it to be changed. So not so much with your words, but with your actions. Words are cheap. Words are easy. We can say, oh, Jesus loves you. God bless you. I'm a Christian. Words, 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 words. But have the words changed your life? Because they're watching us. There's a lady who used to go to our church, her and her husband. Actually, her husband didn't go to church for years. They recently moved out of state. And she went to our church for many years, one of the first ones that came out to our church at the woman's club. And she would come to church quite often crying and weeping and saying, you know, my husband doesn't even want me to go to church. My husband gets mad every time I talk about the Lord. And, and we told her this verse, we said, you know what, just win him without a word. Don't even, don't even invite him to church anymore. Don't even talk about the Lord anymore. You just let your light shine in his life. And year after year, she would cry and weep. Then one day, he came to church. And then shortly after that, he gave his life to Christ. And shortly after that, he wants to be in church all the time. And shortly after that, he's serving God. She literally took this verse to heart, and we gave her this verse. My wife and I gave her this verse, says, this is how you're going to win him. This is what the Bible says. He, he gets mad at God. He doesn't want to hear about God. He doesn't want to hear about church or anything. He gets mad, you know, because she would even say, well, uh, he tells me, don't go to church. And I says, well, he's drawn the line there. You can, you can still go to church. But you just love him and you just shine your light before him. And it were, I mean, we watch, this guy loves the Lord now. He's totally radically changed. He loves God. 
Why is she one and without a word? And I've heard story after story of this. This word chaste means pure, innocent, modest, clean. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he cleans us up. He, he cleans us from the inside. My wife, she was in the music business for 21 years, and before she was a Christian, she told me she had nine closets filled with stage clothes or nine wardrobes. And then she, when she gave her life to Christ, she had to throw most of them out. She just had to get garbage bags and just throw all of these clothes away because it wasn't glorifying to God. She got it. She, she understood. Where it says accompanied by fear, I, I don't believe this is talking about fearing your husband at all. I believe it's accompanied by the fear of the Lord that you have. The, the reverence for God that you have is going to be so impacting. So let's look at the next verse. It says... Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. A woman that's loud and obnoxious is very unattractive. I know someone like this. I haven't seen her in a while. She does drugs, and she claims to be a Christian. She says, oh, I love Jesus, la, 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 and she's loud and obnoxious, and it's just, and I don't care how beautiful you are on the outside. If you, if you are loud and obnoxious, it's very unattractive. I've, hate, I, I've seen older women. They're cussing and swearing, swearing like truck drivers. You're like, really? It's like, to me, it's just so unattractive, and it's, and it, it's because biblically it is unattractive. Paul the Apostle is saying, don't worry so much about the outward, worry about the inward. And there's people that actually, I hope you know this, they, they take this regarding the outward appearance, the hair, wearing gold and fine apparel and all. They take this to an extreme and they, they tell women, you, you can't wear makeup, you can't wear nice clothes, you got to wear just all this stuff and all, no jewelry and all. And they take this, that's not what this is talking about. This is, a, this is just comparing, yeah, you know, you can look nice, that's all great, but make sure the beauty, the inward beauty shines, outshines the outward beauty. I love what Vernon, Dr. Vernon McGee, he was asked once, is it okay for women to wear makeup? And he says, if the barn needs painting, paint the barn. <laughs> it's simple. It's... And the apostle Peter's saying, don't worry about winning the lost with the outward appearance. And I, I think we can even use this with, you know, trying to win people through outward ways and worldly ways. And we got this and we got that and all the worldly ways that we can come up with just to try to attract them and all that. And say, no, just, you know what's going to be real powerful is their inward beauty. You know, great verse to go with this regarding women and inward beauty is, you, I'm sure you know it well, Proverbs 31:30. charm is deceitful, Beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Don't you love that verse? My wife fears the Lord. I love her, and that's why I'm up here constantly praising her and telling everyone about her and how great it is. Because why? The Bible says that she shall be praised. I praise, and I praise, I'm very blessed, the godly women that are in this church that fear the Lord, that reverence the Lord. You shall be praised, and I want to give a hand to the Lord for you guys. That inner beauty. But look back. I, I want to look back at uh, verse 4, if I can. There we go. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, the inside. 
again, as I opened up in the beginning of the, the service, talking about God sees the inside. He knows what's going on inside of us. The jealousies, the anger, the fears, the lust, the pride, the worry, the haughtiness, the selfishness. God sees inside of us. We can have the whole world fooled on the outside. We get, you know, I'm Mr. Christian or I'm Mrs. Christian and, and we just have it all going on on the outside but God sees the inside. But the good news is, is God wants to change the inside of us. And God's able, but we have to confess it to him. We have to you know, give it to him and say, God, forgive me for this. And typically I find the, the, the biggest work God's doing on me is inside. I might get upset with someone and then it's like, you know, I just try to stuff it down. It's like, they did something to get me upset. I'm just like, and then I push it down. It's like you, you, you want to take it and just take it under the rug and just push it under the rug. And, but what happens, you push enough stuff under the rug, you're going to trip over that rug. And God wants us to deal with things. God wants us to communicate. I remember first coming to the Lord and things would upset me and I would do my old thing. I would just, with my, this is how I used to be, okay, before Christ. I would stuff it down, stuff it down, let it go, let it go. And then if the person just crossed the line too much, I would just cut them off of my life. And I'd just like, they're cut off. That's what I would do. And that's how I operated as an unbeliever. And then I tried doing that in my Christian walk. You know, it's like, oh, they hurt me. I'm upset. You know, just put on a smiley face, stuff it down, stuff it down. And then if they went too far, then I just cut them off. And it's like, I don't have to deal with them anymore. And that was like the way I did it. And I just remember so clearly when I accepted Christ, I was like, cut them off. And I'm walking away feeling better. And God's like, what are you doing? It's like, what do you mean? What am I doing? It's like, well, you don't talk to them anymore. It's like, I don't want to talk to them anymore. And they're like, God's like, I love those people. It's like, then you love them. God, I can't love them. (laughs) And he says, you're cutting them off. And I say, yeah, don't you know? That's how I do things. I cut them off. He says, that's not what we do now. I love them. I love you. And you're allowing that situation to divide. And I want to use that situation to grow you and to grow them. I'm at work here. Let me work. Swallow your pride. Swallow whatever's going on. But don't cut them off. God sees the heart. God knows what's going on inside of us. We can't fool him. He knows our sitting down. He knows our rising up. He knows our thoughts are far off before we even think them. He knows what's going on. He, he knows our words before we even speak them, before it even comes out of our mouth. He, the Bible says he knows it all together, what we're going to say. And David says, it's such knowledge, it's too wonderful. I can't even attain to that. I, I can't even imagine how God can understand my thoughts before I even think them. But he does. And he's allowing conviction to happen in our lives to change us. But you can do what I wanted to do. You could just say, you know what? I'm stuffing this down. I'm cutting this off. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. And see how that works out for you. You're not going to grow. You're not going to grow spiritually. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. There are going to be people that we cannot live with. There's going to be people that we cannot commune with. And that's okay. But as much as depends on you and I, let's live peaceably. Try to live peaceably with all men. So there's times when I've gone to people where they've hurt me, done something wrong with me. I've confronted them, talked with them, prayed with them. And they're like, oh, I get it. And I get it. Okay. Hey, you misunderstood that. I misunderstood that. Let's pray. It's over. We go forward. It's beautiful. There's others that, same situation. I go to them, I talk with them, I pray with them. They're like, nope, you're wrong. But as much as depends on you, we're to try to live peaceably with all people. God sees the heart. And we're free. Once we we do what God calls us to do, we're free. I love what 
It says in Proverbs 21.2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. We can justify just about anything, but the Lord weighs or tests or gauges the hearts. He's looking in there. Don't cut him off. Our scripture reading, Psalm 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast. That word steadfast can also mean right spirit. Renew a right spirit within me. I want to be right with people. I don't want to be phony with people. I don't want to be fake with people. Renew a right spirit with me. So God looks inside. Let's, let's move to the, back into our text. For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I try to get my wife to do this. She won't do that. She won't call me Lord. <laughs> Whose daughters you are, if you do good, and you're not afraid with any terror. Sarah submitting unto Abraham. And even though Abraham was fearful sometimes, and he lied, and yet God ultimately covered it all. You don't have to be afraid with any terror. Trust that God will work it out. You, you submit, trust that God will work it out. As so we talk about inward beauty, I just want to use this to say God doesn't want us to fear anything or anyone. That you are not afraid of any terror. And I, I believe, I, I want to go back in the context of it. For a wife, it might be fearful. If I submit to him, oh, everything's going to be ruined. We're going to lose the house. We're going to lose everything. Everything's going to fall apart. We're just, uh, and the God's saying, don't fear anything. That's okay. I, I, I'm working through that. It's okay. But again, as you know, in the broader sense, not just with the wife, for all of us, we do not have to fear any. If you truly have a reverence for God, we reverence and fear God. If you reverence and fear God, you don't have to fear anything or anybody else. Truly. And God doesn't want us to. Fear is, isn't fear terrible? Isn't it stifling? It brings confusion. It brings just, it's just terrible. You know, the fear of man is, the Bible says, is a snare. It's like a trap. I've been there before. You get the fear of man, it's like a trap. It's like, oh. And you're just trapped. We're not to fear. If you struggle with fear and anxiety and worries, I, I want you to use this verse to say, to call out to God and say, Lord, I don't want to be afraid of anything. Please, Lord, take that fear away from me. Take that anxiety away from me. Take that anxiousness away from me. Where to be anxious for? Nothing. nothing. Remember the Greek word, what nothing means? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Back in 1929, a very famous executive by the name of J.C. Penney, he ended up in the hospital because of anxiety and fear. True story. One night he was so sure that he was going to die that he wrote a farewell letter to his wife and then he wrote another one to his son telling him, I'm not going to survive through the night. I'm going to die tonight. He woke up the morning, that morning in the hospital, and he woke up to music that was coming from the hospital chapel. He was so drawn to the music, he put on his robe and he went into the chapel. And as he went into the chapel, he sat down in the back row and they were singing a song, God will take care of you. He said the words were like words from heaven to his heart and, and it was just ministering to him and he was weeping and crying and then scripture went forward and prayers went forward and he was brought back to his childhood when he heard the gospel when he went to church. That day in the hospital room, he gave his life to Christ and he surrendered his life to Christ and fear and worry and anxiety left his body and he, was, he had strength again. Ten years later, he gave his testimony 
He said, from that day forward, he said, I have never had one day of fear since that day. Not only did I give my life to Christ, but I gave him all my fears, my worries, and my troubles. We don't have to deal with fear. God doesn't want us to fear. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the last, last verse. Husbands. Here we go. Six for the, the wives, one for the husbands. <laughs> we have a very short attention span, so... Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, first my point with this would be, it says dwell with them. I want to use that to say spend time with your wife. Spend time with your wife. It's important that you spend time with your spouse. If you're single here, I just want you to know this is good stuff for you to, to listen to for, you know, for your spouse to be. But it's important that we spend time with each other. You know, there was a, a survey that was done that said that the average husband and wife spend only 37 minutes a week together in actual communication. And I thought, that's a lot. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Joke, sorry. As a husband, as a man, I, my wife, she communicates much better than I do. She communicates much more than I do. She's interested in details. She's interested in every little aspect of everything. And, and I, I just, I don't have that capacity to just remember everything. It'll, if she's not with me, she'll say, well, what happened? What did that person say? What did the person say? What did they say? How was that? And I'm like, what did they say? What did they say? I don't know. <laughs> And sometimes, seriously, sometimes it's just so much pressure, you know? It's like I go blank. I'm like, and then the funny, this is with me. This is, I don't know if this works with you guys, but sometimes under that pressure, well, what do they say? And, blah, 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 and the details and all. And I just really, at that point, I'm just like, I go blank for a while. Like, I don't know. But then like an hour later, I say, oh, honey, yeah, you know what? The so-and-so said this. She goes, why didn't you tell me that before? And I was like, I didn't remember. And then like an hour later, I remember another part of the conversation and so we kind of learn to work together with this. But communication is important, truly is. Dwelling together. I remember very vividly when I was a baby Christian, just weeks old in the Lord, I met a, a married couple, and, and after I was introduced to them, I asked what church they went to, and he said, I go to such and such church, and she said, I go to such and such church, two different churches. And I remember as a baby Christian, I looked at them, and I was thinking, that's not going to work. And within like four to six months, they were divorced. No, we're meant to be together. We're meant to dwell together. We're meant to hang out together. We're, it's good to have same interests together. It's, it's good to go out of your way, husbands, to spend time with your wife. It's important. With understanding. That's impossible without the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying. It's, it's difficult. But with understanding. I believe this means for husbands, for us to dwell with our, our wives uh, with understanding, being sensitive to their needs, to their desires, to know what those needs are, to know what those desires are, to spend time communicating so we can dwell with understanding. I read a, a, about a certain pastor, <clears throat> as part of his premarital counseling, he would ask the couples to, to write down three things that each of them think that the other enjoys to do the most. 
And in his observation, the pastor said that the, the bride-to-be usually would write the list like right away, just and write it away. And he says, typically the man just sits there for a while and just ponders and thinks. And then he concluded, he said, the, the women typically, they get, they get it right. They go fast and then they get it right. They know what the other person, what the man enjoys doing most. And he observed that typically the men don't get it right. So I was challenged even when I read that. So I wrote down my three things and then I, I tested it with my wife and she said I got an A on my report card. So that's good. <laughs> and I'll read it to you. So my wife, I believe she, she enjoys reading her Bible. That's number one. She enjoys chocolate. That's number two. <laughs> but she's off the wagon or on the wagon right now. In other words, she's not, she's not eating chocolate right now. But So that's something she's put to the side for now. But, and then... The third thing, and I got it right, she loves directing and writing for our plays. Those are her th three things, yeah. And then I put her through the test. I go, okay, honey, what are the three things that I enjoy most? And, and she got it. I enjoy reading my Bible and praying. I, this is, and she hit this on the head. I enjoy making her laugh. That's one of the things I enjoy doing most. I love to make my wife laugh. I love it. And then I love working with my hands at the church, and that's true. I love, that's one thing, it's a punch-out time for me. I love getting, you know, Barry does a lot of work, the physical work, and he's constantly saying, no, you don't have to do this. I'm like, Barry, I love doing this. Come on. He says, okay, let's go. So we just, I love it. So back to our text. Let's go, let's finish. Let's look back, verse 7. That your prayers may not be hindered. Also, before I go there, just real quick, uh, and it's being heirs together of the grace of life. You guys are one together. Don't think because you're the husband and you're the head of the household, you're still one. You are both joint heirs together of the grace of life. Enjoy God's grace and this great life that God has for both of you together. Weaker vessel, I'll point that out too. That doesn't mean weaker spiritually, mentally, doesn't mean weaker intellectually. I believe it just speaks of weaker physically. So honor them, take care of them, protect them, provide for them. And then why? Here's your motive, negative motive, but that your prayers may not be hindered. It can affect you spiritually, husbands, if you're not sensitive to the needs of your, your wife, your spouse. So dwell with them with understanding. Single people here, this is, a, this is valuable stuff for you guys when you when that day comes for you. And with closing, let's close. Again, God tests the heart. The beauty of the unseen, inside, he sees inside. He wants to change not only what happens on the outside, but he wants to change what happens on the inside. He, he knows our thought lives, our thought life. He knows what's going on. And can I exhort you the best way I can? Let God make those changes. Be forthright. Be honest before him. Give him those things that are going on inside. If your heart is wrong towards somebody, ask him to change that heart. If you need to communicate with another person to make things right, do that. Because it will affect you. And God doesn't want you to stay the way you are. God wants to change you. And he wants you to grow spiritually. And you might say, well, you know, I'm already perfect. Well, then you need a lot of work if you think you're perfect. 
<laughs> because once he's perfected you, you're going to be taken home. But uh, he's working on all of us. So the beauty of the unseen. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.